0: Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. I'm glad you chose to join me this week. I hope that the next few minutes will be a time well spent for you as we think about faith, scripture, and life. We all have spiritual needs and taking the time to nourish our souls leads to happiness and satisfaction in life. We were each created with the possibility and promise that our lives have value not only for ourselves, but to others. We are loved and we are important. This week I'm going to focus on a mere fragment of a Bible verse. That is, you are more value than many sparrows. Now on the face of it those words sound almost silly, especially since earlier in the same passage Jesus said that two sparrows could be purchased for a penny And by the way, who would buy a sparrow anyway, you might ask? Well, in the times of the Jerusalem temple, sparrows were the cheapest thing that the poor could buy to present there as an offering. Anyway, it seems like a high praise indeed to say that we're worth more than a pile of sparrows. But that leads me to an important question What are you worth? What am I worth? In modern financial parlance, what is your net worth? Back in the day when I was growing up in a middle-class Midwestern household, nobody I knew much cared or thought about their net worth, let alone sat down with a pencil and paper in hand to assign a number to it. My mom and dad worked, brought home a regular salary, and they could count on receiving Social Security when they retired. And In addition, my dad would receive a modest pension after working 40 years at the same job. We owned a home, car, and each month the insurance man came by to personally pick up the premium check on a $5,000 life insurance policy on my dad. Net worth? Well, more than a few sparrows, but not much. But who cared? We felt secure. Fast forward to today. We are daily bombarded by commercials on TV and print through internet pop-ups that express the utmost urgency in calculating how much we're worth. Do you have enough to retire? What is your number? Is a million dollars enough to retire? And the constant hourly reporting on news media of the minutest ups and downs in the stock market and investment accounts creates in us an obsession with staying on top of our stockpile of money, like the old comic book character Scrooge McDuck, swimming in gold coins in his vault. From my experience, the main result of this obsession is anxiety. Although most of us have a much greater net worth than when I was a kid, we feel a lot poorer and a lot less secure. We even may feel that we are worthless. You can probably guess where I'm going with this. Our worth as human beings cannot be measured in dollars and cents. And we're certainly worth more than any number of sparrows. Financial term net worth is misleading. Whatever dollar number we can put on our personal assets has nothing to do with the value or worth of our lives. Although net worth is a handy term and knowing where we stand financially is prudent, do not confuse money with your true worth. The world encourages that enough already. You don't have to go along with it. How much are you worth? Following Jesus' lead, here are a few things that you are worth more than. You are worth more than the money in your savings account, your TSA, your 401k, your IRAs, and your stocks and bonds combined. You are worth more than the number of friends you have on Facebook. You are worth more than the number of followers on your Twitter account. You are worth more than the number of emails you answer each day. You are worth more than the number of meetings and appointments on your calendar. You are worth more than all your successes or failures. You are worth more than the number of widgets you produce each day. You're worth more than your IQ. You're worth more than your highest level of education. You're worth more than the price tags in your closet. You're worth more than the cars you drive. You're worth more than your accomplishments or lack of them. And yes, you are worth more than many sparrows. See, our real worth is intrinsic. It is Within us, and it is invisible to the world or even our own searching eyes in the mirror. Your worth can no more be measured than can the worth of the explosion of reds, yellows, and purples in a tropical sunset. Your worth can't be measured or even compared with the experience of a Beethoven symphony or a Shakespearean sonnet or the melody of the bird's song in the morning like the beauty of nature and great works of art, our worth is priceless. Try as we might, we will find it impossible to put a price tag on the human soul. And that's a good thing, or people would be selling them. That's left only to God, our heavenly appraiser, He has set the price on each piece of cosmic dust that we are in the universe. He set that price at infinite. And that infinite value is in as-is condition. No matter what the market, no matter what we think of ourselves, no matter how battered by life we are, or how others see us, God has sent his son to pay the ultimate price for us. He gave up his life. That should tell you how much you're worth. All well and good, but this doesn't really help us think about our value very much. Saying that we're priceless to the modern mind might as well be translated as worthless. We can't wrap our heads around infinite. There are, however, finite outward signs of our inward worth. We all exhibit behaviors and live out values that reflect who we are as God's children. Let's look at some of these markers that are valid indicators of our worth. We can find our value in how we contribute to the world through our work. The economic term for our value in the workplace is human capital. Our value is used and sometimes exploited by the people we work for. Human capital can be used for good or ill. Our employers offer us something in turn, usually pay, in exchange for the value we bring to our job. And that value can be comprised of our intellect, skills, natural and acquired, and by the brute sweat of our brow. The way that this value is calculated is not by the salary that we receive, but by the way we use our human capital to the glory of God or others. In other words, how we faithfully live and use our gifts as God intended. Let's say that you work in the construction industry as a framer, You erect the wood, or more commonly today, metal frameworks that others will then hang sheetrock on to create rooms. And let's say that you're working on a building that will house a public school. That building may be admired by people in the community for its architectural beauty. But the real value of that structure will come from generations of young people who are educated and nurtured in it. Those children will grow into adults who will contribute to their community, society, and the world. And throughout all those years, your work will be hidden in the walls, silently supporting the whole process. The framers and sheetrockers, the architects and planners, will all be paid for their labor. But that will in no way approach the true value each of them contributed. When you calculate the value of your labor, do not look at your paycheck stub. You won't find a record of your worth there. Instead, go back and think about what you've accomplished in the past month. Consider the long-term effect that your work will hold for the future for others the most important things won't be readily visible to the human eye. Well, we can find our value in how we serve. I recently happened upon the story of Sadio Mane, a Senegalese soccer player who plays for the soccer team from Liverpool and earns over $10 million per year. Fans spotted him carrying a beat-up iPhone with a cracked screen, and he asked, why he didn't get a new one he said why would i want 10 ferraris 20 diamond watches and two jet planes what would that do for the world i starved i worked in the fields i played barefoot and i didn't go to school now i can help people i prefer to build schools and give poor people food and clothing i've built schools and a stadium We provide clothes, shoes, and food for people in extreme poverty. In addition, I give 70 euros per month to each of the people from a very poor Senegalese region in order to contribute to their family economy. I do not need to display luxury cars, luxury homes, trips, and even planes. I prefer that my people receive a little of what life has given me doesn't take a genius to discern the true worth of Sadio Mune. His worth can't be measured by the goals he scored or by the quality of the iPhone that he carries. His worth is reflected in the lives of the people he has lifted up through his compassion and generosity. He understands what is valuable in life. He is a living example of Jesus teaching on wealth or treasure when he said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moth and rust consume and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It is quite obvious where Sadi's heart is. Where's yours? Where's mine? We can find our value also in our humility. You've probably heard the old saying, nobody likes a sore loser. In my experience, sore winners are liked even less. There's something about having a big ego that detracts from our basic humanity. Jesus chided his disciples when they had been arguing over which of them was the greatest in his eyes. Jesus, aware of their inner thoughts, took a little child and put it by his side and said to them, Whoever welcomes this child in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. For the least among all of you is the greatest. If we were to judge the greatness in the the religious world, most of us would put the Roman Catholic Pope at the top of the list. Throughout history, popes have lived ostentatious and lavish lifestyles at the Vatican. Pope Francis, the current Pope, presents the exact opposite image. Even before he was Pope, then named Bishop Jorge Mario Bergliogo, he lived a modest lifestyle among his people in our Argentina. Pope Francis has spoken about humility. He said the only path to humility is humiliation. In other words, we can't just proclaim ourselves to be humble. That would be false humility. We have to truly understand in our hearts that we are not of greater value than anyone else, and we have to live it. He said, Who is Jorge Brio Bergoglio? I am a sinner. This is the most accurate definition it's not a figure of speech, a literary genre. I am a sinner. Francis has not only proclaimed his humility, but he has also lived it. He has rejected much of the pomp circumstance, and uh, lavish lifestyle of previous popes, often to great criticism. He prefers to travel in a modest Fiat sedan and associate with the poorest people in Rome. Or wherever he goes, the poorest of the poor sense his true humility and relate to him. That association with the poor exposes a related quality of our worth, how we value others. Jesus was scandalized by the fact that he ate with tax collectors and sinners, the religious outcasts of his day. And he associated with them not out of pity or charity. But because he truly valued them and believed that God valued valued them too. He liked them. Jesus said in the beatitudes, "Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God." Let us look at our own lives and our own society. Do we value the poor or do we condemn them? Do we seek to put them down? or lift them up? Do we see them as God's gift to us or as a burdensome nuisance? Do we seek to avoid them or engage in? How we value others reflects on our own value. It would do us all good to look inward, examine how and what we value in other people. Ultimately, we can find our value in how we love. When asked what the greatest commandment was, Jesus responded, Love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Key words, obviously, in both commandments is love. But we throw that word around pretty carelessly most of the time. What matters in speaking of love is not that we are loved, but that we love And what matters in speaking of love is not that we love, but how we love. The ancient Greeks had a better understanding of the workings of love than we do, I guess, because they had several words for it. Eros was passionate love. Erotas was romantic love. Philia was love of a friend. Mania was obsessive love. And there were others. But the love that Jesus talks about in the Great Commandment is agape, self-giving love, sacrificial love. It's the kind of love that puts the welfare of others above us. The most important characteristic of this kind of love is that it is unconditional. It seeks nothing in return. It makes it possible for us to love others who might even hate us it is the one it is a one-way affair and what makes this love so valuable is that it reflects the divine love full of acceptance and forgiveness when i say i love you i am saying i value just as god said you are of infinite worth to me as well as god we have come full circle to infinite value and worth. I suppose I could go back over what I've just said and put together a questionnaire so that you could put a numerical value on your inner worth. As they say, if you can't measure it, you can't change it. Well, that may be a clever maxim for business, but it does not apply to your value as a human being. It is impossible to put a number on your true net worth. But you can see where it shines through sometimes. But I guarantee you, it's worth a whole lot of sparrows. Amen. Thanks for joining me today. I put great value in the time we spend together. I hope you join me again. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. Goodbye.